Welcome to another episode of GDPR Now, a podcast dedicated to all things GDPR and data security and data privacy. This week's episode is all about COVID-19 and the impact on data protection. Regular listeners will have already heard our episodes on what DPOs need to know about cybersecurity. For those that missed them, they are episodes 7 and 15. But today we start a series of updated podcasts addressing security concerns resulting from the coronavirus pandemic and the shift in working practices for hundreds of thousands of businesses across the UK and indeed the world. Just to remind you that GDPR Now is brought to you by Data Protection for Business, and this is DPO. And your host today is, is me, Karen Heaton, owner of Data Protection for Business, and I'm taking over from Mark Sherwood-Edwards of This is DPO for these upcoming episodes. So without further ado, in the studio today, we are delighted to have Kingsley Hayes, Managing Director of Hayes Connor Solicitors, based in Widnes, Cheshire. In this first of two episodes, we're going to talk about COVID-19, as I said, and the impact on data protection. In our second episode, Kingsley and I will be discussing data breach, class action lawsuits in general, and the British Airways class action in particular. With special emphasis, we expect on how businesses need to be aware of the reputational and financial risks that can arise from class actions, um, especially from data breaches in the light of the current cyber attack and the, the increased data security climate. So Kingsley, I'm delighted to have you on the show today. Thank you, Karen. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and your firm? Yeah, sure. Uh, Hayes Connor Solicitors um, are probably one of the only niche uh, specialist data breach uh, and cybercrime firms in the country, and certainly outside of London. Uh, we specialize in representing consumers on individual data breach or cybercrime cases and investigating those alongside the group actions that you mentioned in the opening. Uh, so we, we've got a very widespread. Um, we got into this area probably around 2016, um, I had a particular interest uh, in looking at uh, Data Protection Act and things that were arising around that pre-GDPR. And I suppose GDPR itself was probably the thing that really sort of saw our business start to take off uh, as the um, awareness of uh, rights of consumers in relation to data protection came to the fore. That's really interesting. I, it's the first time I've spoken to someone who does uh, class action lawsuits. I'm Personally, I'm very interested in what we're going to be talking about certainly next week. I think I think we've, we have we have an interesting mix of I mean we you know the individual claims and the class actions and the you know the there are great similarities between one particular claim and and multiple hundreds and, and even thousands of claims. So um, it, it gives us a very good spread across the board. Well, wow, that's excellent. It must be really interesting. Thank you. So um, on our topic for today, then I mean. So much has been written about the crisis that we're in. Um, you know, certainly I get emails in my inbox all the time. There's thousands of stories out there online in the various news um, channels. So could you give us a summary of maybe three or four areas of, of the impact that you see from your perspective? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we sort of prior to the pandemic, uh, we're seeing an increasing sophistication in phishing attacks 
uh, and and frankly, all things cyber fraud, um, uh, be they sort of uh, attacks on JavaScripts on retail e-commerce sites or, or individual consumer targeting in stressful transactions. I think probably the biggest thing that we've seen since this crisis is a, a massive upturn um, in very, very targeted uh, approaches to phishing attacks uh, on mm -hmm. individuals who are currently suffering from significant stress as a result of the crisis. I, I think the more sophisticated fraudsters um, are very, very good at profiling the individuals um, that they look to target and the areas that they look to target. And, and this is purely and simply being a panacea for them, I think, in terms of how they've seen the impact of this crisis upon people and, 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 and are acting on people's fears. But anything from fake sites, there's been something like 471 fake shopping sites selling hand wash yeah. when hand wash was out of stock um, yeah. through, to, through to very sophisticated phishing emails, which are ca catching out people that you wouldn't normally think they would catch out. Um, so I, you know, I think it, it really does play upon the fears and the paranoia of people. And at a time where we're all suffering, I think, from, from being in lockdown for a, a significant period, I think that, that probably only gets worse. Um, second key area, really, or second and third, is, is related to how businesses are coping with um, social distancing and having m more of their staff working from home. I think a large number of businesses were not necessarily ready for that. Um, mm -hmm. And the handling of data um, in a home environment or a remote environment is, is not necessarily an easy thing to do securely. Um, and I think a lot of companies have faced challenges in relation to that. Um, we ourselves have seen an upsurge of probably about 30% increase in inquiries. Um, and mm -hmm. those, those inquiries are solely related to uh, aspects of COVID-19. That's interesting. So um, we also have been looking at the home and remote working risks and so it's it's clear that it it's not just in London that we're, we're seeing the increases in, in, in the questioning coming out. No and I, I think it will be a while until we actually see all of the impact of that um, you know I think there's a there's a, a rush and a need for companies to adopt home working strategies where they can and I think mm -hmm. companies will be finessing those strategies as they move forward. Um, it, it's sometimes the the simplest things that um, can lead to the the biggest problems. I mean, you know, a home environment is not necessarily a secure environment to hold data or or, or sensitive conversations, communications, whatever they may ultimately be. And I think everybody's been feeling their way with various technologies, anything from Zoom to to WhatsApp. Um, and, and how they deal with communication generally, um, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of sensitive information that seems to be um, flashing across the airwaves, if airwaves is indeed the right thing to say. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, the, and I guess the other thing with home and remote working is if you're working up a home network, what else might be um, attached to that network? You know, yeah, very members much so. in the household, you know, that's additional risk. Yeah, and um, the number of people who don't change administrator passwords on a mm -hmm. new device uh, or alternatively a home hub uh, it, uh, are quite frightening. Um, you know, and I think people's individual awareness of securing themselves in the home environment is not necessarily at the same level as it would be for an employer who perhaps uh, has a an IT contractor or in-house IT 
company that can protect um, their servers and uh, and and their uh, own working systems. You know that doesn't necessarily extend to the home system. And then I guess if you also want to layer on top um, employees, perhaps using their own devices, that's a whole other uh, level of potential security holes, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, um, I don't think apps generally are the most secure things in the world. Um, I've noticed actually with some fascination the rise of TikTok uh, as a uh, an app during the course of this crisis, and you know, one has to wonder who actually is behind that app and what information it's actually taking while people are creating these very amusing videos that they're sharing online. You know, there there are so many questions which I think will probably take two, three years, maybe even to um, to come to the fore in terms of data protection risks around home working. Never mind um, the, the you know the more sophisticated or blunt force cyber attacks that are currently happening. Well, it's interesting you mentioned TikTok because obviously with a, a teenager in, in the house, there's a lot of TikToking going on, but I haven't actually uh, registered on the app. So I haven't checked any of their uh, privacy notices or what they do with data. So that's a really interesting one to bring up. I would clear yourself probably half a day for that, frankly, <laughs> because they're not exactly the easiest of things to read. Wow. Okay. That's good. And on, on the first point that you mentioned, um, I think what really struck me as as you were just describing it, I mean, obviously, everything I've read and being in the data protection community, I know that there's a lot of uh, phishing and attacks and stuff going on. But I think what you said really hit home, which was the profiling uh, tactics that are being adopted. I mean, that's that's marketing tactics in order to get more phishing. I mean, I can give you a, give you an example from. Uh, I mean, this this is obviously prior to COVID nineteen, but, but quite a lot of the work that we do is in um, is in financial crime. Uh, we've represented individuals and represented them quite successfully, where they have been the victim of um, what one would consider to be probably less sophisticated email scams than some of the ones that are doing the rounds at the moment. But what these um, people do. Um, it, it's it's almost akin to to grooming and profiling of of the individual. They profile the individual. They profile the transaction that the individual is in the middle of doing, if indeed they are, or the transactions that they're looking at. Um, and they spend some time understanding a pattern of behaviour, and they look to strike at, at a point where that individual is quite stressed. Um, so, um, an example of, for, for example, a, a conveyancing transaction. Obviously, there aren't very many of those right now. But um, mm. you know, somebody is a week away, two weeks away from moving house. They're quite stressed about it. They're trying to sort out all things around it. And, and if they receive an email that looks like it comes from their solicitor asking for funds to be transferred to a particular account, um, uh, people do it, and they do it very quickly. And they do it more than once and they don't necessarily realize where they've sent it or, or, or where it's gone until two days later or three days later or whatever it may be when they don't, the money doesn't land in the place they think it should do. Um, so that, that type of profiling behavior has been going on for some considerable time prior to COVID, but, but it really does now come to the fore because we're all yeah. feeling a little less than happy with life. We're all a little bit stressed. Um, uh, even the best of us in terms of trying to deal with this situation and people will look for easy answers to some of the difficult questions of life. Um, you know, if they feel that they need to get face masks for protection, whatever it may ultimately be, um, you know, if somebody 
um, is in their home system. If somebody is is in a, in a browser with a JavaScript worm, uh, very easily they can see what these people are looking for and they can target them with emails. Um, you know, if you can't get these these items and you feel you need them and somebody can offer you them within 24 hours, money can go very quickly. I can imagine that would absolutely be the case. It's it's very sad that that's this is what happens when, as you say, we've all got much bigger issues on our mind and we're worried about lots of different things. Um, now we've got to think about the the criminals who are trying to get hold of our money. Yeah, and we're we're all being forced into a into a situation where we do less and less of our retail activity or our general activity in, in, in the outside world. We're being forced into this cocoon of um, of, of online activity. Um, and, you know, be it online activity in, in retail or, or online activity in trying to have a beer with your friends on a Friday over a Zoom chat or, or, or a virtual quiz game or wherever it may be. All of these things represent opportunities for criminals to, to get in uh, to less secure areas and, and use apps and, and other uh, variety of, um, of websites that you wouldn't necessarily think would be insecure. Um, and suddenly you can find yourself in, in a bit of a difficult position and not know where to go. And I think we've, you know, just following on from that, we've seen some, um, you know, security, potential security issues from uh, new users of video conferencing apps such as Zoom. We can't just say it's only Zoom. Um, what do you think businesses are going to be looking at in the next, you know, three to four to six months? What risks do you think they're going to need to be focused on uh, to protect their, their business, their employees, their data and their systems? Um, I think as businesses finesse home working more, and, and, and I'm, I'm making a, an assumption here that we're, not fully out of lockdown for any time soon. Doesn't appear that we will be. Um, and certainly, if there are elements of uh, working in the office and working at home, I, I think it's going to be incumbent on most businesses, be they big or small, to to umbrella the security that they would have within an office environment over the home environment. I, I just don't mm -hmm. see that there is any way that that won't happen. You know, and that, and that I think, as you quite rightly pointed out before, doesn't necessarily just relate to logging into a system using a laptop. It relates to iPads, mobile devices, uh, you know, and uh, home Wi-Fi systems. You know, I think organisations really need to start if they haven't already looking at the risk assessments around every device that may be in a home that may give an into a Wi-Fi network that may ultimately give into a system. So, you know, you have the um, home lighting systems, doorbell systems, home yeah. heating systems, baby monitors, you know, I mean, it, it might sound a little uh, like scaremongering, but all of these systems, all of these connected devices provide an opportunity for hackers or, or cyber criminals to get into a system. And I think many businesses will be, will not have considered that necessarily in the past. No, and it's, not it's at all. A, it's a different way of them thinking about how to risk assess their business and their IT and their data security. Very much so, but, it, but it's also a, an incredibly difficult thing to start to spend money on where most yes. businesses are struggling with their income at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, any, any business of any size with cash reserves is probably starting to drain those cash reserves at the moment. You know, there, obviously there is some help available for businesses um, through the various government schemes. 
But frankly, you look at the statistics and there's not a huge amount of these C-bill loans going out um, in comparison to the areas where they might be required. And there are quite a number of restrictions on what that money is spent on, um, you know, and, and cyber resilience, cyber security, uh, system security, I, I think will end up falling down the the pecking order in terms of where businesses that survive this situation end up spending their money. Well, that, that's an interesting observation because, you know, the, the, while the risks go up, the spend goes down, I think is what, what we're saying here. Yes. Um, what, one of my colleagues was telling us uh, only yesterday that some of these sophisticated hacking organized crime groups have got call centers to help people pay the ransomware that they demand once they've got into the systems and encrypt their data. I'm sure they have. And, and, and <laughs> well, I know from some of the people that we speak to in the community and some of the people that we um, obtain our information from, um, you know, the, the, these guys cannot keep up. You know, the, the national cyber uh, approach is not funded or resourced sufficiently um they're calling upon contractors from all walks of life uh to to assist them um we will continue to see government uh, pronouncements about um focusing on cyber security in these areas but probably the amount of resource that would be required to look at every single aspect of of this from ransomware through to phishing attacks you know is going to be far more significant than actually the country can probably afford to put in place um you know and, and i think the reality is that the country is likely to focus on its cybersecurity defense from a key uh, institution perspective as opposed to a consumer and corporate private business perspective well, yeah, I mean, especially after the, the, you know, the sadly, the, the debt levels are going to go up um, after all the necessary res government support and to support businesses through our response to this pandemic. Mm. You can imagine there'll be a bit less money floating around. So uh, do you think that employ uh, employers and businesses really need to start owning the increasing of their own knowledge in this area and, and looking for ways to do more um, more research and gather more information and, and adapt their technologies themselves and relying on more government-funded institutions. Yeah, hugely. And I think that, I mean, it's always difficult as a, I mean, as a, a business owner myself, you know, you, you, you will have a limited budget that you will apply to various aspects of your spend uh, and where to apply that budget um, is, is often a decision that is made by a very small number of people at the top of an organization, you know, and, and the reality of competing departments, competing aspects of organizations for that budget will probably mean that some of this will go further down the pecking order. Um, you know, I, I think there is certainly in terms of our business planning and looking at what we see coming. I mean, we, the, it, over the course of the last sort of two full months, and certainly you know, this lockdown has been with us for six, seven weeks now, um, you know, we've seen a 30% increase in the number of inquiries and the number of visitors to our website. Um, yeah. I, we don't see that decreasing month by month. The appetite for information from consumers and companies around 
the protection is is there but i think the ability to implement and the ability to understand where that implementation is best made is is, is likely to to not be there um I, I also worry quite significantly for publicly funded organizations and publicly funded bodies um you know the nhs local authorities are not the best at controlling data in the first place yeah. um you know there have been various high profile ransomware attacks from the police federation down um uh you know and and they will continue I, I think this is it's a hacker's paradise at the moment i'm afraid and i think yeah, we're going to see yeah. a considerably increased amount of activity and exploitation over the course of the next six months and beyond exactly what we're seeing as well yeah. um so in terms of business changes over the next six months obviously we've talked about where the spend is going to be what, what's your view perhaps on you know Who's going to emerge? Uh, I know it's a bit of a crystal ball question, but do you have any um, sort of hunches or ideas of what you think the the landscape's going to look like uh, um, in the next six months? Well, there is. I mean, if you look at it at the moment, there is a massively increased demand for online services. Um, you know that that I don't see that increased demand for online services going away anytime soon. Uh, you know, I don't see the continued move to towards paperless uh, society towards cashless society changing as a result of this thing it will gather pace and obviously people keep telling me the the new normal whatever the new normal may be will obviously include probably you know less traveling uh, less commuting uh, more working from home more remote working so organizations that can adapt and actually have the capability to protect themselves while they're adapting and increasing uh, those presence that you know they will be the ones that come out of this reasonably well um yeah i, I, I do fear for the sme sector and you know those sectors, the smaller business sectors particularly, are going to face some considerable challenges in trying to implement systems and processes to deal with all of that and do do it securely. And anybody who deals with personal and sensitive data is, is really going to have to focus on what they do. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more based on what I've seen so far. That's um, where you process high-risk data. Um, as, as a small business, you've really got to understand your data and system security. And it's it's not that easy and it's not that simple and not necessarily that cheap either. So um, I fully um, understand the comments you just made there. They're well made. Thank you. Now, there's on, on the topic of apps, um, I'd like to ask your thoughts, if you don't mind. And it could be quite a big question, but I'm sure it could be a topic for another episode. But I'd like to know your thoughts on track and trace apps, if you'd be kind enough to share. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> where do we start? I mean, the Netherlands experience of trying to go in alone and develop their own app, which suffered a data breach during its approval stage? Or, oh, yeah, or, or do we get into the very strange decision? Well, I consider it to be a strange decision anyway to, to try to develop our own app when it would seem to make more sense given the time scales involved and the need for this technology to work properly, to use something that's provided by the bigger providers like Google and, and Apple. Um, whatever happens here, there will be a trade-off, I think, between privacy, uh, data, and getting out of this situation. Yeah, it seems I mean, that there is definitely a rush to get these apps out. Yeah. As you said, we're developing our own, should we be? 
different question. Um, but I think it, if it's one of the ways, one of the measures that can be used to exit lockdown, my sense, and it's not backed up by any studies, is that people will be happy to use them because they want to get back to living their lives and whatever the new normal is going to look like. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I certainly, I mean, if I, I, I will be one of the first to download it when it's um, when it's available to download, and I can guarantee you, I won't be reading the terms and conditions. <laughs> uh, you know, so so I, I think in a, in a scenario like this, the overwhelming good that something like this can do has to to a certain extent in some instances offset some of the risks of trying to get that app or any app to be perfect from a data protection perspective mm -hmm. um, i think we just have to live with the fact that there are going to be some holes at some stage and and are you aware or have you um been asked to be involved in any of the work that's being done with the government and the ICO on the framework that's going to be put in place for the... No, I mean, I, we, we, we've spoken to a number of specialist uh, digital guys who you know, really look at the sort of penetra penetration testing aspect of things and and, and they they are involved. Um, and it's more of, more of that type of view that is being taken um, than a, a view of the, the the perfection of are we complying with GDPR with this app and are we doing the right consents etc. I'm sure that they will take leave from the ICO uh, in relation to this, but I'm sure a bit like the facial recognition technology uh, pronouncements that we had a number of months ago, um, you know the, the sort of greater good argument will overcome any. Uh, lack of rush shall we say to yeah. get the data protection angle sorted so i, I think we'll see the apps coming I, I i do worry that they're not um that we are developing our own i just think we don't have a very good track record of doing things like that in government well that, that will be one to watch and experience as we all download and use the app <laughs> and maybe one for future uh, discussion actually so that was a really interesting conversation. Thank you, Kingsley. My pleasure. And it brings us to the end of this episode of GDPR Now. Uh, so if Kingsley, if our listeners want to contact you, what's the best way of doing that? Uh, well, we uh, have a, a very extensive website at www.hayesconnor.co.uk. Uh, and we are on all of the social platforms as Hayes Connor solicitors. So those are the best ways to get content from us and to contact us. Okay. And then if, uh, we will put those details up on the show notes um, at the end of the show, obviously. Um, and are there any upcoming uh, events you'd like to tell people about, webinars? or Not from our perspective at the moment. I think we are concentrating really on dealing with the challenges that, that we face. I mean, like any other business, whilst we are heavily involved in protecting data rights, um, we are also uh, constantly under attack ourselves. Uh, we've dealt with a couple of denial of service attacks recently. So um, uh, we're making sure that we are uh, ourselves as robust as we can possibly be for exiting lockdown whenever that comes. Um, uh, we release uh, content very often uh, on our sites and on our social platforms. So uh, yeah, there'll be enough content going out over the course of the coming weeks for people to be uh, understanding where we are. But um, we, we will look at the next phase of our uh, our ex educational experiences probably around September time, hopefully. Okay, well, that's great. Excellent. So, 
Um, to our listeners, thanks for listening to our episode today. And thanks again to Kingsley for taking the time to take part in this uh, first episode. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you, Kingsley, um, in our second episode. Um, and that we'll be talking about class action lawsuits. So for me, thank you for listening. Take care and stay safe.